welcome to This Week in Brattleboro History, produced by the Brattleboro Historical Society and the Brattleboro Area Middle School. 2020 has certainly been a challenging year. Because of the coronavirus and the government's reaction to it, the lives and economic well-being of many have been under fire since March. During times of crisis, our society is tested by the words found in the Declaration of Independence, which explains the purpose of the government. According to the Declaration, the government is formed to create laws and structures to provide for the safety and happiness of its citizens. The pandemic has highlighted how safety and happiness do not necessarily go hand in hand with one another. A hundred years ago, the country faced a different set of perplexing problems, which had a strong impact on Brattleboro. The Great War had ended in 1918, and the country faced a post-war recession. Prices for basic necessities skyrocketed, while wages remained stagnant. By April 1920, prices for most goods had risen 100% from before the war, while wages had not kept pace. No issue in America ignited more controversy than the nationwide labor strikes of 1919 through 1921. On one side, there were industrial workers demanding higher wages, and on the other side, there were industrialists who claimed the unions were tools of the communists bent on destroying America. In 1919, labor strikes by railroad workers, mine workers, and iron and steel workers underscored the unrest in the country. Business leaders who attempted to summarize the economic downturn in the country stated that there was a gap between post-war product costs and the ability for most people to purchase them. According to the Brattleboro Reformer, 1920 was a year when the public refused to buy at the prices which were being asked. Labor strikes against major industries led to consumer strikes against the inflated cost of living. In March 1920, a rush of water and ice brought about by an early spring melt, caused the Connecticut River to rise and carry huge chunks of ice against the bridge that connected Island Park with Brattleboro. The bridge was pushed off its moorings and sank into the mud at the bottom of the Connecticut River. This bridge was a main connection between southern Vermont and southern New Hampshire. A great deal of trade between the states traveled over that bridge. Both states took quick steps to replace the structure as soon as possible because the loss was having a negative economic impact on both sides of the river. A new bridge was ordered from the American Bridge Company of Elmira, New York. This company was owned by J.P. Morgan, built most of the steel bridges in New York City, and would later construct the Empire State Building. New Hampshire and Vermont entered into an agreement with the company to replace the washed-out bridge with a new steel structure by March of 1921. Meanwhile, a temporary wooden bridge was built in June at a cost of $13,000. Unfortunately, High water washed away the temporary bridge in December 1920. With the new steel bridge expected to arrive no later than March 1, 1921, the towns decided not to take steps to replace the temporary bridge. This is where national labor unrest impacted Brattleboro. The American Bridge Company was having difficulty procuring the steel necessary to construct the bridge. A national steel worker strike that began in 1919 and lasted until early 1920 had backed up orders for specialized steel bridge components. Even though the company was contracted to complete the project by March 1921, they couldn't obtain all of the necessary parts from the Pittsburgh steel mills in time to meet their contract obligations. This problem was compounded when the railroads went on strike and the completed bridge components could not be transported from Pittsburgh to Elmira. The steel bridge between Island Park and Brattleboro did not open until September 1921, six months later than planned. Another local example of this 1920 economic squeeze between laborers and industry was the Wyndham County dairy farmer. 
Area dairy farmers were at the mercy of liquid milk processors in Boston and Springfield, Massachusetts. Local milk would be transported to the train station in milk cans and would then be freighted to milk processors in Massachusetts. The processors would separate, pasteurize, and bottle the milk for consumption in southern New England cities. The Boston and Springfield processors did not negotiate milk prices with the farmers. Instead, they would set the price and the farmers could accept the deal or not deliver the milk. During the war years, the price of grain greatly increased, so the cost to farmers to produce milk went up as well. Other costs also greatly increased, but the processors would not raise the amount they would pay farmers for their milk. In fact, in 1920, the processors actually lowered the price they would pay farmers by 10%. Local dairy farmers joined together to form a cooperative. Their goal was to work together to build their own processing plant and complete with the Massachusetts processors. In 1920, the cooperative entered into an agreement to build a milk processing plant on the old Bradley farm near the joining of the West and Connecticut rivers. Originally, 115 farmers joined together to build the plant. Within a year, 170 farmers were delivering their milk to the plant. In 1920, local dairy farmers were producing way more milk than could be consumed by people in Wyndham County, so bottling the milk and shipping it to southern New England to compete with the city processors was the only way to survive. 1920 was a year of hardship for many in Brattleboro. Those who relied on the trade between Vermont and New Hampshire were hit hard by the loss of the bridge between those two states. National labor unrest lengthened the time before the bridge would be replaced. Those who were dairy farmers battled with the city milk processors who maintained their profits at the expense of the farmers. The local milk plant emerged as a remedy to that problem. Meanwhile, factions in Brattleboro struggled to agree on a proper way to honor Great War veterans. The peace agreement that President Woodrow Wilson supported to end the Great War was controversial. Wilson was a Democrat and most Brattleboro residents were Republicans who opposed the Treaty of Versailles. The treaty contained the framework for the League of Nations, and many Republicans believed the League of Nations would undermine the power and authority of the United States. People were happy the war was over, they were glad the soldiers were home, but they were unhappy with the post-war economy and how the president seemed more interested in rebuilding the rest of the world than looking out for the working class people in his own country. In 1920, local leaders got together to address various community needs and fold in the desire to create a memorial for those who fought in the Great War. The high school on Main Street was looking for a gymnasium space. Many local organizations wanted an area to hold social events designed to bring the community together, and the local company of the Vermont National Guard was looking for a new space to house their equipment and conduct drills. In an unusual decision, it was proposed that the memorial to honor the sacrifices of those who fought in the Great War would be an armory and community hall built on Main Street. The chair of the local Great War Memorial Committee was Howard C. Rice. He said a fitting memorial to those who fought in the Great War would be a public building designed to promote the value of worthwhile community cooperation. In the face of national and international turmoil and stress, Rice reminded townspeople that answers for many of our challenges could be found in the day-to-day -day interactions of those committed to supporting one another during tough times. We'd like to thank Jonas, Ida, Emily, Remy for helping read this week in Brattleboro history. Please join us next week for another story from our community's past.